the radical left, the Marxists, the anarchists, the agitators, the looters, and people who, in many instances, have absolutely no clue what they are doing. Welcome to What Radicalized You, a podcast of stories and experiences that have shaped people's ideas about our world and the way society should function. My name is Joella Roberts. I am undocumented, unafraid, born in Trinidad and Tobago, grew up in Washington, D.C. when it was Chocolate City. I'm definitely a lot of things, but one thing that I do stand in the name of is love, is freedom, is education. And so that's been a lot of the work that I've been committed to is making sure that those three things are accessible for the people that I represent, that I care about, and for me. This evolution began when I was a little girl. To be honest, I was definitely aware of all of the systems and all of the prejudice and the bias and the hate that impacted me. But I didn't really have the words, I didn't have the theory, I didn't have the community, and I didn't have the understanding. So now that I have access to those things, I definitely deepen that commitment that community has shared with me and also creating that for those who don't have that same access. And understanding that I represent being plus size, being dark skinned, being all the things that move me further away from white supremacy. It's also my duty to fight against capitalism, white supremacy, colonialism, imperialism, like all the isms and phobias that keep my people in bondage. Growing up, first, I'm coming from a mixed status family, meaning that different people in my family have different citizenship status. My grandmother is a neutralized U.S. citizen. She worked at McDonald's. My aunt is a citizen, but she as well wasn't working a high-paying job. And my brother and myself, two children, undocumented, mouths to be fed. My mother was very transparent about our situations and just like the life that we live experiencing poverty but being so blessed and experienced so much abundance that it wasn't really a struggle but I knew that we were supposed to be struggling. Also just like being bullied and just being you know extremely intelligent but having smart mouth and getting in trouble often I felt like these are things that I cannot control and I was very confused even as a child before becoming like politicized. I was like, what? Well, like, what is going on? Like, who, who? How do I change this? Like, this is not okay. And so, frustration turned to anger easily for me. In addition to like not having access to mental health, not really having many gateways when it comes to like love and care, because my mother was working under the table for below minimum wage, so she was not home. My grandmother, who was taking care of me, was mentally ill before we knew. And so a lot of what I experienced and a lot of what I've learned has been self-taught. And so just meeting people who can relate to what I experienced was the shift for me. Like, oh, wow, I'm not, this is not just a monolith. Like, I'm not the only one who experiences. My family is not the only undocumented family. There are 11 million people in this country that potentially live the same way, if not worse, hopefully better.
and you know there there are other you know dark skinned girls that struggled into self love and still struggle with self love like there are all these communities and there's so many ancestors who came before me that work on these issues and it's just a matter of me connecting with that path is is really what I've learned because I'm only 23 right now so I definitely have a lot to learn and I definitely have a long way to go but I honestly can say that it's not anything that I've done that's landed me in the positions that I have because at, in the system that we exist in like the default is suffering the default is like being mentally ill and then not having resources to be cared for and and homeless but through God's grace and through community is is really where like that evolution for me started it wasn't until maybe high school where I actually decided that I wanted to begin advocating for not only myself but my communities. So I was in like debate, so I was learning like public speaking. I was learning how to be more efficiently argumentative. I was in youth and government, learning how senators and policy and bills work, and that was the first time that I actually worked on any legislation or any kind of advocacy that was specific to immigration. And so I remember in high school this is of course before I came out the shadows and before I shared that I was undocumented openly I mean it wasn't a secret but it wasn't something that I shared and I remember working on a bill that allowed a pathway for financial support for high school students that are undocumented but have like above a 3.8 and just like perform super well in school and the youth mayor at that time told me that he believed that the money should go to citizens first and he would not pass my bill and this was after like a whole year of being in youth and government and like the bill before was something that was just like whatever you know it wasn't really something that i was really committed to and i remember crying and i remember people saying like why it's not that serious girl like this is youth and government like come on now that's when i knew that wow like one people don't understand the parallels between blackness and immigration they don't understand nationalism they don't understand community they don't understand mutual aid they don't understand access and for a really long time i was very confused because growing up in my household there are definitely like stereotypes and stigmas when it comes to black americans like oh they don't work hard enough and you know they just have so much access and they're not utilizing it and this is often perpetuated through this lack of knowledge and just lack of bridging and so instead of using what i've learned <laughs> from like my family and internalizing that hate and that upsetness that was curated during high school i chose to do the opposite I, i i chose to be a bridge of understanding for the black diaspora and when it comes to immigration when it comes to blackness for a really long time i definitely understood my place as an intermediary of knowledge when it comes to like certain systems and just people trusting me to educate and and being a educator and being committed to education and not living in stockholm syndrome and not living in imposter syndrome and really holding myself accountable when it comes to knowledge and holding community accountable when it comes to like care for each other and just like that has been my strong suit in this moment and i definitely appreciate the care that has come from that in addition to my youth and government advocacy in high school it wasn't really until i got to college that i really stepped into advocacy fully like as a job and that was through student government 
Freshman year, I was like Miss Freshman, just like a social butterfly, being who I am, getting to know a lot of people. But I wasn't really vocal about the issues that I was passionate about. And I wasn't really vocal about the struggles of accessing higher education and what it took for me to even be in UDC, literally paying thousands of dollars out of pocket every single semester because I couldn't get any financial aid, couldn't get any scholarships because I wasn't a citizen. And so it wasn't until that second year when I decided to come out of the shadows at a, a town hall meeting for student government and share that, you know, I'm well performing, 3.8 GPA, also in a lot of extracurricular, just doing it all. And, you know, my university refuses to share any resources for me and like, what are the options? And I remember student governments suggesting work study. And this was right after I received DACA. So literally had they told me that last the semester before, I would have cried in their face. I did not have work authorization. I could not work in this country. But like when I did have that conversation, I had DACA, but I was taking care of my grandmother full time and I was also a student full time, so I could not do work study. And I explained all of this, right? And unfortunately, just the conversation of immigration and like even the word undocumented is new because we were formally referred to as illegal aliens and foreigners. And with that connotation is like absolutely no care <laughs> and absolutely no education and absolutely no resources. And being just completely disgusted and disappointed in how my institution handled my situation and then being newly in community with a lot of undocumented documented students through United We Dream DMV, I decided to run for student government. Like, I was like, I can do it. A lot of people told me I could run for student government because it was like remitted tuition, which means that I wouldn't have to pay tuition and it was like a good opportunity for me. But they didn't know like the firecracker <laughs> that I was. They thought I would just be like smiling and just like allowing things to happen. They did not know who I was. And so I won vice president. My entire slate was like international students. It was very diverse when it came to representation. But unfortunately that year, we didn't really focus on any kind of provisions for international students so or just like migrant students or those with migrant backgrounds and so as vice president i made it my business to like merge any existing programming with caribbean student association or african student association or um leading focus during our town halls to students who are undocumented that was bold enough to speak to making sure that the president of our university was present so that it's not just you know joella says that there's this student joella says that there are other undocumented students like you're actually seeing them with your own eyes and so leaning into that advocacy and just making a way as a student, I saw what student organizing could do to a campus, could do to culture. That really pushed me to run for something bigger because even though I was in student government advocating for all students, not just immigrant students, those who are without housing, those who are hungry, you know, developing our food pantry, all of the things, I realized that when you're advocating, but the person that you're advocating to isn't, you know, inciting that change, it feels like you're not doing anything. It feels like you're not moving anything. And so not sitting behind the person at the table whispering in their ear, I'm like, how do I get a seat at this table <laughs> until there is no longer a table? Because I don't want a table to exist. Let's make that clear.
to me, having a seat at that table and understanding the power dynamics of my university, I ran for student rep to the Board of Trustees. And the Board of Trustees, of course, is the like highest of high when it comes to like power and structure at universities, public institutions. And so I was very open about who I was as well, being the first undocumented Board of Trustee member, but also being literally locked in with more than half of the students at my university. And then using the relationships that I had with the board to really shift and change a lot at my university and like being super proud of the University of the District of Columbia, knowing that they're only one of three HBCUs to accept undocumented students of the over 100 HBCUs that exist. I'm extremely proud of what my HBCU has provided for its students, but I know that there is so much more that higher ed could be doing to create a space for for students. And so I, I branched out, like, I definitely was like, okay, student leadership is enough for sure, but I want my own. <laughs> and this was after the Latinx Association was developed because before it was just me and my undocumented friends like organizing on campus. But after that, it formed Latinx Association. And I was the only Black person, not even Black woman, like Black person that was openly undocumented. And even though I was a member of the Latinx Association, like I'm not, like I'm Afro-Caribbean, like I'm not Latinx in any kind of way. I'm very much so an ally, but it was, it just reminded me of a feeling of exclusion that I often feel in the immigrants' rights movement and not intentionally, not naming that there is an anti-Blackness because there is, but the space that I grew up in, which was United We Dream, I didn't really experience that, but there's something about loneliness that is, you know, easily ex accessible when you're the only person. And I felt that often, even if, you know, the space that I was in didn't curate that. And so I knew that feeling and I wanted more people that looked like me, that understood me to understand the fight that I was in. And this was long before President Trump, like making it clear that millions of people were being deported under Obama, who was the felons, not family, allegedly, which wasn't true. If you look at the statistics, like every single, you know, U.S. president um, has waged war on the nations that we originate from. So it's not even a matter of political party. And like in 2017, did you join this fight? This was long before 2017. President Trump, who is an outward white supremacist and just extremely xenophobic, one of his pillars in presidencies was to like literally obliterate the immigrant community and make us criminals and deportable. I was like, we need more people in this fight. And so I founded Migration Matters on the campus of UDC with the founder of the Latinx Association because I believe that my HBCU needed an organization that was more firm in allyship. People who did not experience the experience of being undocumented, being a migrant, but wanted a space to learn and just a space for a community and political education. We have to know what we're up against. We have to know, we have to understand that system. And so that's why political education is extremely important for me and definitely a pillar of purpose for Migration Matters. At first it was a one woman show because the guy who I founded it with, I'm literally like student rep to the board of trustees while I'm founding Migration Matters. There's founding members, but like some people graduated, not everyone could be present. So I'm like running around campus, handing out flyers, talking to people, like building a relationship, really organizing, like before I even knew I was organizing to really get this space on campus because 
even though I can say that we did a great job of creating like a cultural shift, there were still no scholarships. There were still no policies. There were still no things that, you know, I believe should be accessible for not just undocumented students, but also international students and all those with non-traditional status and traditional status. And so a lot of people bought in, like I was extremely grateful, like literally moved to tears to see that, wow, like people actually care, people actually want to understand and people actually want to help. And so that's how I founded Migration Matters. While I'm graduating, COVID-19 hit and I had like a whole nother semester to build that organization in my head, in my heart. We did a great job of creating national partnership with United We Dream and UndocuBlack, but I really wanted to do a better job of like organizing the community college that we have because that's where a lot of migrant students are located. But of course, that was not able to happen because school switched to virtual. And I was like, dang, like, what now? And then this was when the uprising began this summer. So we're literally coming up on almost a whole year. Like, we're literally a couple of weeks away from a whole year of being outside, as we call it, protesting for Black lives. And this is not off-brand for me because I've always been committed to Blackness. Like, when you see me, you don't see, I like, there's no sign on my forehead that says immigrant. You see a Black woman, you see a Black person first. And so a lot of the struggle that I understand and I had to learn because unfortunately my family is not from here. So I had to learn both histories, both the history of Trinidad and Tobago and the history of America and being disheartened to know that there are so many parallels when it comes to oppression, when it comes to slavery, when it comes to genocide, when it comes to exploitation of Black people. And so being an immigrant is only double, triple, quadruple the trouble in this country. Because I remembered that my mentor from Wendaki Black was telling me about Fanan Burhi. And this is an immigrant who lived in Silver Spring, literally not even 20 minutes away from me, that was murdered, like walking distance away from his home. And there was no news coverage, like no one knew. To me, it was because he was undocumented, it's because he was an immigrant. And it's unfortunate that there wasn't a community cry or rally behind Fernand. But I remember when George Floyd got murdered and Raheem had invited me outside um, to the protest because he was the first one to protest in Washington, D.C. behind George Floyd. And I pulled up and I talked about George Floyd, but I also talked about Breonna Taylor and I also talked about Fernand. And I really understood my intersection. Like I understood that like all of these things that I represent is on purpose. Like it is a gift to be in these identities. And I honor Kimberly Crenshaw in her theory of intersectionality. But I think that a lot of people have flipped intersectionality to be placed in identity when it should be placed in the system. Like we should absolutely be proud of who we are, but because of white supremacy and because of sexism and fat phobia and all these things, we make it so that people are ashamed or they have to be bold and courageous when in fact we should just be able to live and live freely and abundantly. And knowing that people that I'm inspired by could not exist and would not exist if they didn't fight. And so literally being a fighter 
from birth, I definitely decided to be more intentional in my walk, in my speech, and in my organizing um, behind all of the issues that I'm adjacent to, but also um, that impact my community. So I talked about in the summer, I talked about international students being homeless and how borders are closed. And people were so confused, like, why is this important? Well, $39 billion went to the U.S. economy from international students. And you're telling me that like Betsy DeVoe, right before leaving school, when the CARES Act was released, and we learned that students who were not eligible for FAFSA would not receive the CARES Act. And it's like in the midst of not being able to go back home, in the midst of being homeless, the only aid and the only support that you're trusted in when you're in the United States is your institution. And because of the exclusionary behaviors of our government, you have absolutely no aid and no assistance from your university because they've set strict guidelines to say not them. <laughs> like literally everyone except them. And it's so distasteful after taking immigrant money for an entire year and years before through not just income tax, through filing fees. When it came time to help, like people were not willing to help. And I think a lot of what continues the systems that we exist in is ignorance. And ignorance is definitely intentional. And so combating ignorance and combating hate, we have to choose love and we have to choose education. That's what I've been doing. I've been working with UndocuBlack. I've been working with United We Dream. I've been advising Migration Matters. I've been working for Forward. I've been on live. I've been in webinars. I've been teaching the kids. I've been doing all of the things because the only form of education that we've received when it comes to immigration was Christopher Columbus. And it's not, it's not taught. I mean, we do start with slave trade, but we, were, we don't even consider that migration because it, like it wasn't, it was forced migration. Even still, a lot of what we consider mi migration in this moment is forced migration because of war, because of poverty, because of natural disasters, because of choice. And it's not a positive choice. And so... When we understand like the reasons that people are otherized in their own country and they come to this country and experience Stockholm Syndrome and seek refuge and are again exiled and are again not cared for and are again exploited, then you live in silos. Then you realize that, you know, there's no point in speaking up. There's no point in coming out the shadows as a black person and saying that, you know, I'm an immigrant or I'm a asylum seeker or this is the needs because, because then what? Like it's been proven time and time again that we lose. Like the only positive legislation to come was like this year in 2021 from since 2013, the only positive leg legislation to come from Congress. Literally, I watched the Dream and Promise Act. I was literally behind uh, Nancy Pelosi when she announced the Dream and Promise Act. And I was so hopeful as a DAC recipient that I would see a day that I would receive a pathway to citizenship. And again, that bill, like, will probably die. Like, no one in the Senate, zero persons in the Senate decided to pick up the Dream and Promise Act after it passed the House. And so I'm just like... Maybe if we had more people rallying in the streets, maybe if we had more commitment from our legislators, like maybe if we have all these things and 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 we're proven to be right. Like I see day one legislation from the Biden administration, and this is because of the organizing that we were doing during the Trump administration, during the Obama administration. Like this is the pressure that we've been putting on these people for decades.
And so I think that what we can do a better job at is really highlighting the wins. And that's what I've been focused on. Like, I remember a lot of students in Washington, D.C., they want police out of schools. And so on Martin Luther King Day, we went to go rally so that they can have police-free schools. And I told those students, I said, you are not doing anything that is outrageous. You're asking your demands is not crazy because it's been accomplished. It's been done in Minneapolis. They are without police um, from K through 12. And it's because of what happened with George Floyd's and the demands that they set. And so a lot of what change we demand can be sought when we fight for it. And I definitely affirm anybody that wants positive change, that it's possible. Like Angela Davis said, we have to move in the spirit that we've already accomplished our wildest dreams, because that's the only way that it can be done. Like, that's the only way that we can commit ourselves to the future is if we believe that it's possible. I definitely always encourage people to join a fight or align with missions and purpose that don't directly impact them. Yes, I am an immigrant and this work is my life, like quite literally. But even though you might be a citizen or you might not know anything about immigration, joining that fight, learning more about community that you are not a part of, but you know that are marginalized and oppressed. And so what I continue to affirm is community and you don't have to be directly impacted to care about the impact. And that's the only way that we, when we help each other is when we all win. And so I definitely encourage everyone to join a fight, continue the fight that's yours, but but throw a punch for someone else in a fight that, that you're not existing in. And when we all win, like that's when we'll all win, period.